Hey everybody, welcome to the Mountain Deer Podcast. I'm Rodney Elmer. I'm in the shop here. It's Vermont muzzleloader season, and I'm sitting here with Taylor, and we're both tired. We're tired. We're tired. <laughs> we are very tired. What a hunting season. What a hunting season. It has been crazy. And we still got a few days left, but it yep. sure is winding down. Yeah. I know our 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 excitement rate has wound down a little <laughs> bit too. Good grief. It's it's come down a little bit. Just a little bit. Because there's like a I don't know, there's like a culture difference between hunting in Maine and hunting in Vermont. In like in in our own camp and in our own kind of way we like to do things this I don't know. I've always regarded Maine as a bit more of a big adventure, you know, and a, hunting out of home is way different than hunting out of camp. It is and I yeah, I don't see like it's not it's not as exciting hunting out of home. It's like if you same. if you don't have a camp and you don't have like a place you go to and that's your hunting home base, yeah, you know you're you're definitely missing out because yep. that just I feel like that's just the where it's at you know. But we've we've tracked a lot of big bucks. We've had a lot of really good, a lot of really good things happen this season. But it has been a tough season. Everybody yep. we've talked to is like, man, they're very discouraged. And some of the best trackers we know are struggling oh yeah larry's like man this is the hardest i've ever worked and yep. he's probably been at it 10 years longer than me and he's like this is the hardest i ever had to work to try and come up with a deer and this has just been tough um and it's like crazy conditions like so that it's pretty close and not that conditions are that much but there's also like that roll of the dice you know you roll your own dice you know you 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 keep your spirit up. You keep checking. You keep looking. You get out of bed or keep you don't get out of bed coming, or you know, whatever. You put your effort in. Right. You, you, and that part is your dice. But then there's this like mystery die that, of <laughs> chance that kind of gets thrown in with it. Yeah. And yours affect that, but that affects yours too a little bit. And it's just been one of those years, like close calls, like unreal. And we... We started right off almost identical to what we did in 18, maybe, where we, we hopped off right first thing. I think it was the second day of the season. We had snow. Everything was looking great. And we started in on this buck. And he's an okay buck, right? He's 175 pounds probably, you know? Mm -hmm. And can't really tell what he's got for headgear. It's uh, first week of November, so he's super slow, easy. Yeah, it was that like, first He's Tuesday. not doing anything, and yep. he isn't going anywhere. And we just poke around a little bit, and we drive out. We end up walking out to the end of this road, a dead-end road. And we get out to the dead end, and there's a clear cut off to one side. And we start hooking that clear cut just a little bit, and we come right on to a pretty decent track. And we said, oh, there's a buck right there. So we start following him a little bit, and we're, we're both looking at the track. We're both talking about it. We'll have a video of this. Mm. Um, and this was kind of a like one of the best classic right out of the gate kind of scenarios as like a tune-up game, right? Yeah. If you watch the longest yard, right? The and he says, let's have a tune-up game, game where you just go out and you just give it a whirl and just try and get your confidence up we don't care if we don't shoot the buck necessarily It'd be great to get him on film and if he's right here someplace like we did before you know we, we called in that buck and that buck was probably 200 pounds this one here is probably 160 70 pounder maybe yeah and and we take the deer 
and he's just meandering slow and walking along and just taking his time down the skid road on the side of this cut. We're on the west side of the cut. It's um, probably nine o'clock. Yeah, it was mid morning. I think. Yeah, mid morning, nine nine ten o'clock or so. We start walking along his track and we're looking at it and um he goes a short ways and starts eating and we're thinking wow well maybe he's right here someplace we ought to give this a whirl so we do like we always do and we you know we filmed a little intro make sure you you always film an intro you know what's going on how your day got started where are you what's where happening? are you what's happening yep it sets the scene for you know the rest of your day yeah it'll also give you some pretty good uh, video like start up to your video so that everybody has a base to start from when you're making a film and we spent a lot of this year filming we have just been filming as much possible content as we can yeah we haven't been making the videos quite as fast and pounding them out because we're just getting content like crazy yeah and we've got one we also know, had like a week and a half where the weather was terrible for filming and for hunting yep so like that i think everyone had that you know that week week and a half of super warm not deer hunting friendly not deer hunting spirited weather so nothing was moving everybody was like meh you know yeah so there was that period that we didn't do too too much and then also there was four days um part of thanksgiving week there where we came home Yep, we took and time we had, to work we had some stuff that needed doing and family stuff and just had to do what we had to but do. we digress anyway so, so we we end up we end up uh, <laughs> taking this buck and we go a short ways and he's feeding and then he goes a little farther and he just kind of like wanders for about 100 150 yards and then he goes back to feeding again and he's he gets out of the skid trail and up into the hardwoods just a little bit and he started a hook to the left um and we've probably gone 400 yards and it seems like I would have, I would have guessed right then he was within 300 or 400 yards of us. Yeah, right you then. can tell. You know, it's like, attitude. man, he, he isn't going anywhere. He's right here. So he feeds a little bit and then he goes another 20 yards and he does some more nibbling and a little stop over here and a little stop over there. And the wind is not particularly good. I mean, it's okay. It's a crosswind. And he started a hook and into the downwind yeah from from northwest down to southwest and he's working south and and the more he does the hook the more the wind is not so good for us yeah and as he he kind of finishes up feeding and then he walks to a roof now when i say a roof like a spruce trees you know a section of spruce trees or something for a little bit of a roof over his head there's a little tiny bit of snow um on the trees barely mm-hmm. but very little and, and i think we had like it was like know, four I, inches i hadn't seen the footage in a long time yeah it was it was under four inches we didn't have that that much snow but we had a we had a heck of a lot uh farther north on yep. day one and you know it was starting to warm up and it hadn't snowed since you know the morning before and it was starting to come down and starting to warm up a little bit but yep it was good track and snow it was perfect he got his stomach filled up a little bit after like 300 yards or so of just nibbling and poking around, he ate a few ferns and um, there's some a couple of snags of old man's beer and he ate some of that. Maine was just loaded with old man's beer this year. It was crazy. I've was, never yeah, seen I, yeah, as much. Horrendous amounts. Yeah. And the deer, because it was damp and moist, you know, they were on that. They, yep. It was the right amount of moisture in it, so they just loved it. And he did a little bit of that. And then, um, like I said, he starts heading for this roof. We could see a few spruce trees about 7,500 yards from us that were small ones. You know, they're only about 15 foot trees and there's a couple, three of them together. 
and he's kind of walking right towards that. And after he's gotten his stomach full and he's thinking about maybe a place to park, um, he stops and he didn't make a scrape, but he peed on his hawks. And we said, oh, we got a buck right here. And then he goes a little farther and he pulls up underneath these spruce trees and he does a four away and just kind of stops like he's looking around and he stands there for a second and there's actually five tracks there. So he adjusted his weight a little bit and made an extra track. Then he just kind of turned like a, a 90 and just walked away from it. And he didn't like that spot to actually lay down. I imagine he was sniffing it and there's just something there he didn't like. So he heads for another little roof. And by now, our hair is standing up, right? We're, we're thinking, oh, we're going to see this thing anywhere. This, and we're out in a fairly flat, uh, select-cut hardwoods. There's a few places where the buncher's knocked a big trail through the hardwoods. And there's a little bit of slashy stuff. Or um, there's grass in it from the skitters where they pulled down it and flattened it all. And there's some grass started growing in it. So every now and then, we have these, like, openings that are kind of brushy and, and like they're the sides of a skid trail. And you can't see through those too good, but the select cut part of it is really pretty decent. There's hardly any boot brush, and you, your visibility is pretty decent. And he starts pulling up to some more greenery, and we really start looking, and we're thinking right here. And we're, we're creeping along, going nice and easy. And he does the same thing, pulls up, doesn't really like it, and just kind of steps off from it, and he gets into a skid trail. Well, now we've we've gone almost completely fish hook from traveling straight to a 180 degree fish hook that's probably 200 yards across this fish hook that he's made. And he's now into a skitter trail at the barb of the hook. And as soon as he gets into that skid trail, uh, he walks up to a small tree and he whacks it. And then he lays down. Now, it was right next to the bed, close to the bed. So maybe he laid down, then got up and whacked the tree. Uh, I can't remember now. It was one or the other. But there's a you know a little bit of a rub right next to his bed. And his bed's decent size. Yep. And we're thinking, just about, just and we're about thinking a, we blew it, right? And that, yeah. that we've spooked him. Yeah, it was just about a rifle length. A few inches short of rifle length. So he was probably... yeah. Buck seventy. You're yeah. right. You're right on the weight. I, yeah. I I think he was about that size too. Between fifty and seventy, probably he weighed. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we're thinking we kind of screwed it up because we're looking at the bed. We haven't walked up to it yet, but we can see the bed and we're looking everywhere. And then we walk up to it, nice and gentle. And the wind is actually now starting to blow almost down the track of the skid trail. And he's gotten up in that and gone back to feeding and walking. And yep. he's going downwind on the skid trail in front of us he's he's out there somewhere so we're 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 our attitude is back up because we haven't busted him there's a little bit of greenery off to our right as we're walking along and the hardwoods we're starting to almost make a circle we've gone like 270 degree circle but it's like an oval you know a long oval yeah and he's working his way back to where we're almost back to our tracks we're a couple hundred yards from being back to our tracks and it seems to me he he hit his horns again one more time on a tree, and each time he does this, you know we're we're gaining a little yeah, bit. Between the time the he bed. spends eating or making a scrape or a rub is time that you gain. You yeah, gain on and him. we're yep. feeling pretty good about that. And then all of a sudden, um, he does a he's at the far end of the loop, and he's just about to come back onto our tracks. And he like almost does a night. There's another skid trail that wise into it, and he turns right into that one. And he heads almost exactly down towards our tracks. Yep. 
and it's a little thicker it's a little bit greener we're hoping to catch him right there we're thinking we've gone but we're also concerned because our scent he's now made a complete circle yep which means he should have smelled us if and, we are as close as we right, think we and are. we're thinking, ah, we've already busted him. We're still going easy because we haven't had confirmation. Yeah, you don't know yet. You, you don't know, it. so yep. you you have to just go with it. And we're going with it, and we're we know we're about to come on to our <laughs> own tracks, right? I hate that, and I hate, I hate it when a deer that. is walking in our tracks. The penalty. Right? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> now the very beauty for us that we didn't know at the time is that he was getting onto our tracks when we were back in the bottom of the fish hook. Yes, when we were like coming around the end of the oval to begin with. He was just hitting us, so our scent wasn't ruining anything. But because we, we were three hundred yards, we were a good three hundred yards away yeah, from him. You know, probably. the whole loop was about three hundred yards, maybe. So here we've we've made this loop, and we're thinking that we're we're just going to finish up. Most of the time, by the time you finish the circle, it's over. They they've smelt you, or you know, the wind has screwed you, or in, they've seen you. Well, or in something. most cases, that you like you're circling a barnyard or something. That tends yeah. to that tends to you tend to screw it up a lot more if the deer is in the barnyard you're circling. Mm-hmm. Like that's. You know, but this one we're following him as he comes down, finishes his loop, hits our tracks, and then turns to start sniffing and going up our tracks. Yeah. So now he's walking in his old track and our tracks. Yep. And he's stepping in our boots and he's walking back along the path where we just came. <laughs> now we realize this and we're like, oh, this happened man. to me so much this season. Oh, this was a, this was a year where I think we could have walked backwards, <laughs> walked into the woods straight and come back out and hit a buck on our own track. We so, should have tried it. Yeah. That, that this kind of season it's been. So we're, we're tiptoeing. <laughs> now we know what's coming up because we just went through these Yeah, the woods. terrain in the woods. Yeah, yeah. we know. Oh, and yeah. normally, like especially an older buck, a lot of times they'll react to it. They, won't, they will not like it if the scent is real fresh. Yeah. But first thing in the season, he's got a better deer. chance, right? See, he hasn't had a bad taste in his mouth from a million hunters and a million people with scent and everything else. So he comes onto our boot tracks and starts walking down them, and he goes a good couple hundred yards. Oh, yeah, like back up to where he started to hook originally. Yeah, and I'm like, what is with this deer? That's yeah. pretty good for him to go that far. Normally, they'll go 15, 20 yards, and then 50 peel. yards, and then bail off. Yeah. He's gone a couple hundred yards now, and I'm like, Just oh ask him for it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm saying, well, if... He, Odds are good, but we've got to really watch the sides because he's going to turn off somewhere. And if Mm -hmm. we don't catch that, not that I'm not looking down the track, I'd love to see him on our back track and shoot him. That would be great. There's been a million bucks where I've said they need to die because we're doing that, (laughs) and they never do. The buggers live through it. And this one was no exception. He goes a couple hundred yards down it. And we're really watching one uh, one side of us, the right side, the outside of the circle, because it's really thick. There's a whole bunch of rabbit jail right there. Yeah. And the buncher has driven through it and made a few strips in it, but these really tight spruces, like you got to stick your gun in them and pry them open to yeah. walk through them. They're so thick. And he goes into one of these little buncher trails to the right. He steps off our off the main drag that we've been making. And he goes down into these spruces. Now, at this point, we're grunting and following and grunting and following. And and we're going to keep grunting and try and come up behind him and gain a little bit of time. Yeah. And hopefully, it'll give us an extra few seconds. Yeah, we just need him to stand there for two seconds. 
So we stand there and stand there and stand there at the elbow where he left the track. We stood there for a long time and there's nothing. And it's like, no. And we, yeah. we grunted and we tried to get him to come out. We figured he was within hearing range of us easily. You know, 50, 60 to maybe 100 yards tops. I don't, I don't remember it being that windy. And no. it was like, it was slight breeze, just enough to move, drag your scent down. Wind, it was melty, but, uh, but not melting, enough to, melting snow. Yeah, but too, not enough wet. to like deaden the sound of stuff going on. So we're like, he probably can hear us. He's yeah. close enough, especially since how, how fresh the track is. And we know that we were just in here half an hour ago. And with it being pre-rut, that's the best time to call. Yes. So we're calling and he just is not coming out. No. So it's like, well, you don't have much choice. Let's just get into that. We couldn't really see down this the the buncher's row row that he made there. We couldn't see down it. So we said, well, we we at least gonna get to where we can see down it. Yeah. So we walk into it, and sure enough, um, down the track he went right down there, and he's going right down this spot. But it's only about a hundred yards long, and I'm saying, ooh, he's he's right here. Yeah. So we go, we start into it and stop and wait and there's nothing. And it's like, oh man. And we're grunting at him. Well, that son of a gun was only about 25 feet away. And he turned right into a thick little area that had a little small opening, but it it was completely surrounded by brush. Yep. And we went right down in there. He had gone down the skid trail, had come back a little bit and then had Jumped into, this, into the this side. little opening in the in the rabbit jail in there, and he was in there just hanging out, now, waiting for us to come up. This the side of his jail cell, three sides are really thick, and we're on the opening. Yeah, so he's kind of pinned right inside this little spot. Yeah, but the wall that's holding him in of brush is only about ten feet thick. Yeah, it's not. And then it's, it's wide not, open hardwoods on the other side of it where oh, we yeah. just yeah, were. like strip strip cuts, raspberries. Right, and nice he's stuff. literally ten or fifteen feet inside the spruces in these <laughs> little tiny, like inch and a half spruces, yeah. and they're really thick and they're about fourteen feet high and they're really tight together. I mean, it's like it wants to peel your clothes off. It's so tight. That's most of that is why our between that, the hobble bush and the raspberries and all the stuff we go through, that's why our hunting clothes are thrashed as bad as they are. That stuff just wants yeah. to peel it right off, it rip your pockets, you name it. We'll have to we'll have to post some pictures about oh how how bad our hunting gear is getting because we're gonna we're gonna upgrade next year. We're gonna have to say goodbye to the beagles because of the, they're getting the stuff. so thrashed. We've patched them for three years now. <laughs> this buck is he's standing right inside of there and he's not coming out. So we just grunt and continue down the track. And we literally almost get to the door of his little apartment, which is only about eight feet inside from the skid trail and only about 10 feet through brush into open hardwoods. And we walk right up to the door of the room he's in and he smashes through the wall and busts out into the hardwoods and takes off running. Now, he literally, when he ran, he was 25 feet from us. And we try and bust through it, and I could not get through that in the time it took for him to go through it and then run about 60 yards in the hardwoods oh, yeah, before we couldn't we see can anymore. Do. And he just he just smashed through that stuff and took off like you read about. <laughs> and we come busting out into the hardwoods looking around for him everywhere, and he's already long gone. Now... We, our hearts weren't broken because it wasn't a giant. And it was day two. And if he, yeah, and it was early. And this was like a tune-up game for us, and we didn't really care. I it was not a deer I was interested in shooting, but if we could call it in and I see something him. on the first day, and, and you'd have shot him if he'd have stood there, you know. Oh, yeah. And really what we should have done was split. I mean, if we were really hunting, 
we yeah. would have split up. You would have gone. We would have not done the cameraman thing. Yeah. And we'd have just gone Wayman in, and him. he would have come busting out in the open, and the the partner would have shot him, no problem. Oh yeah. You know that that was just one of those scenarios where you just break in to the coyote th- mode. You know, you just separate and you parallel each other. Usually one ahead of the other just a little bit yeah. and sometimes it doesn't even matter which guy is a little ahead whether it's the leader on the track or the swinger you know farther your wingman out to the side somewhere yeah. doing that i mean it could go either way the wingman moving faster than your than your track guy normally is most that, of the time the way to do it right and that would have been a dead deer had we done that mm-hmm. and we could easily tell that was the thing to do yep um but we chose to hindsight's 2020 20. yeah and we we dove into that little tiny spot and yep. boom and out he came and he he literally must have been listening to us for 100 yards or 150 yards and let us walk right up to within 25 feet oh, yeah. some of the tightest yeah he spot. exploded out of there I, yeah i was very surprised at his his willingness to let us get that close in an area that he would have been trapped in especially if he actually thought we were a buck yeah you, which is because we'd have pinned him right in there you yeah know, if we were a big giant he'd have got his butt kicked right there you know, but it, it was really an, an interesting scenario for it to go that way. And of course, once he busted out in the open and we bust out and we're, we're looking and we're laughing because he runs right back onto the hook. Oh yeah. He goes he right back right, out where right he just back came onto from. his track where he had just been and we had been and started up the hook a short way. It's probably <laughs> 30, 40 yards yeah. and then broke across it and went across the, the fish hook yeah. and straight out through and just then he really poured the coal on oh yeah he didn't and, like and that and we hit him good and hard and he might very well have gotten wind of us and got a nose full and that was enough to say that's yep. it i'm out of and here. when you pair that with the cns coming down and, yeah, and, yeah and especially at 25 feet good oh, yeah. Lord, that's you know? a lot but it was really it was a good it was a good track and scenario and it was a, a great one you know it laid out and when we we'll, we'll put this video up you, it laid out like the perfect kind of thing. Even if we may want to add a little whiteboard to that when we do it so that you can yeah. better tell exactly what's going on. It's a, that's a that great was a, scenario. That was a great buck to start the season on. And, you know, that's one of the things that you don't necessarily have to do that right out of the gate. Like a tune-up game, not to steal, not to steal the concept of the longest yard, is a great way to get your season going. You know, because we actually, we actually watched that. I love that movie. Yeah. That's a great one. But... The starting out with something super easy and simple just to get you back into the mode of things. Like one of the things we always do when we go to Maine is we go to our favorite mountain and we go all the way to the top. And the reason why is it gets your legs in shape and it gets your head in the game and it kind of sets the tone for the season and kind of like starts to get you into the deer hunting mode and picking up a smaller buck track, you know, on like the first or second day, you don't need to shoot that deer but it gets you in the hunting mode. It gets you in the tracking. It helps kind of le- refresh all of the all of the little nuances and the looking and it gets your eyes and gets your gets your movement through the woods down. It kind of helps you almost like getting back on the bike, back on the horse, you know. So that way when you start on a giant, you're tuned up and you're ready to go. And Most you're ready of the time for the challenge. When we're doing that. It's bare ground. Yeah, most and yeah. We're, we're climbing a mountain just to climb the mountain and to have because there's nothing else to, to kind do. of get our, our brains on. But this time there was snow on the ground and it was going to stay for a while and we yeah, were going to have days. to really, really. So you want to actually, you know, turn the old ball machine on and start swinging your bat a little bit and getting used to it, you know. And you want to swing hard a few times because you're about to get right onto the plate and play for real. 
And yep. especially like in the early part of the season with the fresh snow and the bucks haven't been chased like crazy, you want to take the maximum advantage of that yeah. because there's the most bucks around in the early part of the season. Yep. They're all alive. So you got a better chance right there. Then you've got even more chance because they haven't been, you know, chased all over the place. They haven't been wound up that bad. And you've got a better chance of, of hitting them up close gently. Yeah. You know, and them not going and them wild. not going wild and, and just crazy. hop off a little ways. And even and your second chances are much better early in the season than they are late. It's because some of them now, yeah. you, you have to hit them six times oh right God. now before you even start to stand a chance. You'll have to hit them fresh and first thing in the morning. You'll have to have a lot of legs and a lot of room and time in order to chase one right now. And if, if we were in Maine this week, it, we would be kicking butt. I know. Because these were the conditions. So mad. And so the mad. bucks were in the condition right now. They finally slowed down. They finally oh, were slowing down. Last we day had, in Maine. you know, oh, right so at the, the end of muzzleloader, during muzzleloader in Maine, that was some of the really, the most awesome conditions when we had a little bit of snow and hardly anybody else did. We had snow right during muzzleloader at the end there. And that was key. And the bucks were going slow. They were tired. They were eating like crazy. Um, some of the, I think the last main scenario we had, the buck laid down five it was times. Magic. Oh, it was, it so was close just to weird. That, that was just wow. You know, so those scenarios, either it's really early and you do perfect, or it's really late and you do perfect. And a, a lot, lot of, times, of times that's, that's the way it works. Yeah. A lot of our 200 pounders come in the first like 10 days. You know, from yeah, the, you know, the, in, in, in not rifle necessarily season. our 200 pounders, but everybody. Well, that's when most pounders, of ours, right. that's when we shot most of ours is in yeah. the fir- within the first two weeks of main rifle. That's they're, usually they're really good because, yeah. you know, they lose so much weight. That's right. And your best. Yeah. One, it's your best chance for them to still have all of their weight that they put on for the summer. But mm-hmm. also it's your best chance of getting them bigger, older, more experienced bucks. Their guards are down a lot less early right they've gone a whole year without being pestered as much as in they do in deer season mm-hmm. and they haven't begun the zombie walk phase where they're starting to cover ground day and night looking for does and heat and where nature says walk oh my god this From was terrible for that the end of you the know? second week in november till the very end of november i think we saw three or four beds collectively between five yeah. guys we only saw like four buck beds yep. in two and a half weeks. and they weren't melted no they were like, and even then, the only reason we saw two of the beds was because the two bucks were fighting and they were so tired they had to lay down. Yeah. They were like exhausted from the fight. One of the things that that time of year is really good for, um, you know, a lot of people are really discouraged about bucks going a hundred and not stopping. And I know we were kind of getting sick of it, not sick of it, you know, but one of the things that comes really well from that is you get to see the loop. And you get to learn about the deer and you get to learn about where he goes and it mm-hmm. gets some legs on you. If you're tracking deer that don't stop, man, as soon as you find one, you're going to be up on him. But that's that's another drawback that comes from them You tracking deer all month long that never stop is as soon as you get on a slow moving deer, you go too fast. And you slam right in. You have to go slow. Like even though they're in zombie walk phase and they're going a hundred miles. You got to still kind of go slow because the one time they don't, and you're going too fast, you're going to blow it. It's so easy, especially so, like in the uh, afternoon when you're a little bit tired, you'll pick up your pace and that makes it a little more difficult. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things when that we ran into out. a little bit was when we busted them at three thirty. 
yep. or 230, you know, and then once you kick them and you do it pretty good, it's going to take you at least an hour for things to chill out, calm down, and you maybe can close the gap before dark. In some of those scenarios, we would end up so far from the rig that we we're going to be an hour and a half in the dark getting back, and it's like, I don't want to do that. So a lot of them, we were bailing off at 3.30 or 4, and we still had 45 minutes or more, but you just it's just too much, you know? And there's just some times when you had to say, that's it, we're, we're not going to get this bugger. Yeah, maybe he'll stop, but a lot of times they don't. And the other thing, too, is like whether or not we'll be in radio range and findable sometimes, you know, because if you cross over the mountains, you end up in a different area. You can't get picked up so easy. Everybody starts flipping out if you don't come out, you know, after dark sometimes. So that's always an issue, you know, and there's been a few times where we've had to had to bail a little bit earlier than we wanted to and then spend the last hour and a half or two hours of the day just scouting for tomorrow and looking around yeah. and, you know, trying to recover a little bit. It did get your body in shape and give you a time to come around, but yeah. It was you know, now that we're back in Vermont, these mountains are nothing. None Not of these, right? None of these, even some of the steep gully cliff stuff that we have over here, nothing. Yeah. Tear right up over the top of it and hardly get sweated up at all. Yeah, we did a, a mile climb today. It was steep. And it was really steep. Very steep. And we went straight up a mile and never cut a deer track and then swung another quarter three-eighths of a mile sideways and then swung down another half a mile before we finally came onto a single doe and then it was like a 90 pounder a little farther down the hill she was like 90 pounds with two little tiny fawns that oh my god their tracks are tiny and i got a doe permit and i was like nah (laughs) let's keep trucking (laughs) right so you'll have those days but um, we did have one really good Vermont chase. Oh, here. the best. It was one of the best you this did. year. Yep. It was, it was an awesome, awesome day. And so we, we drove out this little, uh, little state road. Um, and we had seen, uh, seen a buck come up out of the bottom and cross and it looked like a nice deer, you know, just, it looked like probably just under two. You know, a nice, nice wide stagger to it. Nice fat foot. Wasn't a real, real long track. It was pretty good stride, but not like, not a jaw dropper like Friday. No. In Maine. Yeah. Nothing like Maine. Nothing like that. But, but this was a really, really for around here, a really nice deer, really respectable deer. And it's the last week. Right. So, and you know, it's kind of the biggest, freshest thing around. And most of the other tracks that we had seen were does and smaller bucks and fawns. So we're like, man, we're going to take this one. We drive out and finish our road work out to the gate where the state has. And then, you know, you have to turn around right there. So, you know, dad's like, well, I'll go down and park over here. And just in case it's a dead loop, because we had seen a similar track going down into the bottom. You know, you have a quarter mile between a track going down and a track coming out. And they both look really similar and they both look like the same time. Now, which one do you take? And which one do you take? Right. Right. So you don't know uh, which is the dead loop. That's right. And and I was like, well, we, we have to figure out. And this one, you know, the one going up feels like it's better, right? All the other deer were going down the bottom and that bigger track was down on going into the bottom on top of them. So maybe he was down in there sniffing does, checking stuff out and then decided to leave and get away from them. Cause a lot of like late season, a lot of like the bigger older bucks are solitary right now. You know, they pull off, they go get something to eat. They go lay down. They just, they kind of, you know, like I just need a break off by themselves. That's when right. They're taking it easy. And then when it's like dark or whatever, well, we'll go see what's up. That's right. 
So they take a little bit of time for themselves. And I, I just told dad, I was like, just drop me off right here. I'll go up in and I'll see, uh, I'll see what this is going to be. I was like, Hey, this is going to be, uh, one of our friends, um, went off a logging road 250 yards and shot a big old buck in his bed last year. Big, nice, heavy deer. And I, you know, I joked and told dad that this was going to be just like that. I'm like, he's probably right up here. I'm going to go shoot him and I'll see you in a second. Right. Laughing to myself. I didn't know how, how right on I was going to be almost. So he drives down the road another, you know, two, 300 yards and gets, you know, meets up with one of our old friends and gets talking. And meanwhile, I go up into the woods and he's meandering, you know, he'll walk, 20 30 yards and stop and you know he's not super staggering not hooking or anything just kind of working his way up in and this is old uh sugar grove so it's you know all big big open hardwoods but there's this short really dense layer of beach where you know they had cut off a bunch of these trees and it has developed all these suckers that come up and beach hold on to their leaves like all the way until they're almost ready to put on new ones and they get they to, are the symbol of cold they get to be this like dried out like crusty potato, chips. potato chip <laughs> things flapping in the wind anyone who hunts vermont knows exactly what i'm talking about and maine oh, yeah. maine's starting to get a little beach beachy slash, too it's yeah. terrible right and of course they make a lot of noise pushing through and i didn't really have the best wind i had a little bit of a, a quarter wind on me it wasn't straight up the track but it was kind of coming at a bit of a 45 and I wasn't happy about that. And right. And I want to get up through this stuff so I can get out in the hardwoods and now I can take my time. Right. And I'm coming out of these spruces and I'm like, I got to go slow. Cause you know, what if the things right here, he's going easy. And I finally, I do an update on the camera and I walk probably another hundred, hundred yards or so. And I'm only about 200 off the road. I haven't gone very far. And I look up and I see that where the snow has been knocked off and he's been eating. And I was like, Oh Yes right? Which is good, but it's also bad because that means he was hanging out here and he might've heard me, but I was like, well, maybe not. And I looked to the left and there's the bed. And I was like, ah, and the running tracks he had, he had gone up and bedded down. And then after a while had stood back up and started feeding around his bed. So he was feeding and standing there when I came up through the woods or when he heard us get out of the vehicle. And, look and we don't track. know which one it was. I never Either heard one. him go. Right. And running through that brush, you think I would have heard him go. Maybe he had taken off before we started on the track. Right. But either way, right, I do, an, I do an update, and I'm like, here we go. Right Now he, he's doing about 10, 10, 12 foot jumps, nice and steady, straight up on the edge of the, on the, maple, on the sugar woods here. And he didn't want to run through all the pipes, so that's good. Don't want to get tangled up in there. Nice big bed, you know, muzzleloader fit in it with room to rattle around and finally a good big buck to track. And these are woods that you and I know very well. We actually mm-hmm. shot the coyote buck. Um, we shot mush buck. You shot five tracks. We've yeah. shot plenty of nice big deer in there and, and just had great tracking days in there. So, mm-hmm. and you, I don't know how many deer you've shot in there, a million. That's kind of our, our biggest, you know, nicest chunk of wood. For Vermont anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, for central Vermont. Yep. So I, I continue up the track and he goes way up this ridge, probably, you know, three eighths of a mile and starts to pitch down through these hardwoods and he kind of does a 90 and starts headed down in the bottom. There's a brook and a, um, an access road for the sugar woods and a little bridge. And he's coming down off the hill, still running, still running, still running three quarters of a mile. He finally crosses that brook and starts up the other side. And meanwhile, you, you met like five different people you knew and you had to like talk and you know you're in you're an hour and a half behind me and you and i had 
told him where I was going and I was like, Hey, this is where I'm kind of headed. And you know, if you can either swing or just pull up on the track behind me, just do my backtrack. And then you just come up and we'll, we'll figure out what the deal is from there. And he had, the buck had finally started to slow down. He had hit a bunch of other deer tracks. Like it was almost like he was running along the ridge. And when he did that 90, he was looking for deer or trying to smell for deer because yeah, he he, he turns and does a beeline straight down across the brook and then meets up with all these other tracks and starts walking among them and they're a little bit older you know a little bit of snowed in but tracks everywhere and he walks and walks and walks through up all this stuff goes up on top and now it's in this like these maples stick terrible and the snow has increased because the the mountains over there the top just get a ton of snow and there wasn't that much i think there was only like two or three inches down low but up top there's like six seven eight inches of snow and you can't see anything under the snow where you're putting your foot so all of a sudden you'll step and you'll be a big snap and it was a nightmare, and that was about the time that you had finally caught up to me. Right, and you had and that, you and had that's twenty eight hundred feet up. Yeah, and you were hammering to catch up to me. Oh yeah, I I didn't take my time. I didn't really. I when you left the track, you know, ten fifteen feet and walked next to it or whatever, I would you know look at the track and see what his pace was and what he what the deer was feeling like. And yep, and he's walking right along, going right along, yep. and then farther up the hill, he's eased up and he was actually just walking, walking. Yep. And, and I said, well, that's good. And then I would just go back to hammering because I just wanted to catch you, you know. Yep. And you you get to the top and he gets to the top and you're going nice and easy because it's starting to thicken up. And oh, yeah. We came him. into the – so yeah. there's a hardwood belt that runs over the top of that mountain and then it turns into greenery before another big hardwood opening. Yeah. And you had come up on my backtrack and I was – he's like, hey, do you, do you want to swing it? I'll take the track and you go out in the open if I push him out, you know, there, we'll right. do we'll wingman him. And I was like, well, you kind of know the area better. You probably going to go right where he needs to be. You know, dad's got a talent for I being right where you show up and shoot your deer. Well, I don't though. care, right? This thing's a good one and I, one of us needs to get it, yeah. right? And I was like, well, you're you're more experienced at wingman and, and swinging the track and getting the buck than I am. So let me continue on the track nice and easy and give him a chance to swing out ahead of me. Because if it opens up in hardwoods and he's right here and I bump him out, there's a really good chance that dad has a, pinch gets a shot at him. Yeah. So we finally split off and I start working down the track again and the buck was going along and all of a sudden, next thing I know, he's bounding down the mountain and there was no point where he had stopped like I, he was waiting and then I had jumped him. It was almost like mid stride. He decided time to start running again. And I'm not sure if it was whether he was walking and heard me coming or had wind in me while he was walking or just decided to go. Had energy. Yeah. You know, almost like he, yeah, almost like he just wanted to run. Yep. So I'm like, Hey, he's going again, right? Here we go. So yep. I start going down and you have to be careful because on these bouldery granite beach, maple leaf mountains, you will slide to your death. You have you to go, you have to go easy, especially oh, with yeah. the amount of snow that we had. Oh, and so because that you can see so far, right? It's like the most romantic giant, big open hardwoods that you want to shoot a big buck in that's what we're in right and you can see you can see clear to the other side of a mountain that's half a mile away you can see sometimes you know across the valley you can see in in the hardwoods across Mm -hmm. you know and when you're actually down there hunting you can see you know two three hundred yards so it's really hard to pick out a deer but there's a lot of cracks and greenery and places you can kind of hide and i'm working down and there's two brooks in this uh, little valley off the second ridge here and he crosses the first one and then parallels 
and goes down a little ways and then heads for the second brook. And there's not a whole lot of water in it, easy to cross, but they're they're not super wide either. They're only like three, three, three and a half foot brooks or so. He crosses the second one and does a teardrop of only like five feet. So he go, he hops out of the brook and then turns around and immediately goes right back into it. And I bust over, I see it, and I look around and I can't see where the buck went. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, well, maybe he turned and something ahead of him bothered him and he ran right back in on his running track that he just came down walking on it. And I've been walking on it. So I'm like, so I'm like, well, I have to go a bit farther back. So I backtrack my track back about 50 yards and I don't see anything because I I see where I had left the track and then got back on it. And there's only one track going one way. So I'm like, he jumped out of there somewhere and I just didn't see it. Right. So I'm like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to circle uphill and circle the do the downwind circle mm-hmm. right just like i'm doing a barnyard i'm like he is in there somewhere he didn't just fly out of here right. right he's here i'm like we're gonna see what he's made of but that's kind of a magician move it is to come to a brook at a, like 90 degree angle yep and then walk go over it do a donut a 180 yep. in only six or seven feet and then, and then disappear then go right back into it and disappear yep so that, i'm like some cool stuff i'm like well i know that bucks will go up a brook Right. So I circle and I do a 50 yard circle and I finally see where he came out of the water. And guys, you, I'm going to put this video up because it was, I couldn't believe how well he went through the brook without touching any snow because you know, the brook's got rocks in it and sticks and logs and other things that all have snow on top of them. And he hardly touched any of the snow at all. One little tiny scuff mark. And the only reason he came out of the brook was because there's a bunch of logs and it kind of got like a little mini waterfall and, couldn't and he couldn't, he couldn't stay up it. So he goes out probably 15 yards and goes right back into the brook. He stayed in the brook for 300 yards, not an exaggeration, 300 yards. And dad's coming down the mountain and staying out in the open. And he's like, what? Right. You're thinking to yourself, like, what is going on? Yeah, and I haven't, there's like a green you know, patch in this brook area. And it's hardwoods above, hardwoods on three sides of it. Now the deer goes into the green patch with the brook and starts up the brook. And there's a little tiny break in it at the top with a skid trail. And I'm circling it. And Taylor's well below me. You're 300 yards down the oh, hill yeah. from me. Oh, yeah. And I'm circling out around. And you're going nice and easy because the deer is going easy. And I swing the thing. And the wind is actually pretty good. Yeah. And I swing it enough so I can see almost 200 yards straight down the hill where you would come out if you went straight across oh yeah plus i can look backwards to the brook there's a little small hump there and i, I could easily cover 100 100 yards that way and 200 yards the other direction and i'm just standing there and i'm saying oh that bugger's had the radish if he's in there because when he comes out he's had it this, oh, yeah. and, and even the greenery comes to a point up the brook uphill and i'm right at and it, it ends and i and of course the brook also narrows where the deer first jumped into it the brook was like three feet wide yep but up at the top it's like 16 or 18 inches wide i mean it's barely enough so he can walk up it and not touch the snow that's how small this brook is and when i went across it i wasn't even sure it was a brook that's how small it was and i said oh and i went right through there and he hadn't come out so i crossed the brook and I went right across it, and I went up the other side about 75 yards from the brook, but I could almost see back to where I crossed it. Plus, I'm looking downhill a good couple hundred yards, and I said, oh, right here. 
this is it right here. He, he, he's not going to come through here without being seen. And I'm waiting for you. And you're like, he's coming up the brook. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm saying that to myself. And I, but I, don't, I didn't answer you back. And you're coming up. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, he is in the brook still. He's and, in the and brook. And I came up to and I'm tracks. Like, brook, what kind of brook is that? I mean, it's not really a brook. Maybe you must be lower. Yeah. That, and that made me think that you were so much lower. Because it was just a big soft spot. It, well, it really it wasn't. It tapered a brook, down, but a lot. Yeah. Right. And I, so I work all the way up to where he crossed the brook, and I look at the tracks. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's on the track. I'm like, okay, well, I'll swing up. So I swing up a little bit, and there's his track popping out of it. And I'm like, that son of a right. Oh, I was, I was so mad. Right. And I, I'm like, he just came out, right? And I start working up the track, and I pop out into the top where it kind of levels off before getting super steep again. And and you, I see dad coming back up and he comes up and I chat with him for a sec. And now the buck has said, well, we're not going to play any more river games. We're going straight up this cliff. Yeah, let's and when I mean cliffing. it's a cliff, it's slate granite cliff. Like yeah. it's a cliff, hand over fist. You have to pull yourself up it in order to get up it. And I, I can go up steep stuff. Steep stuff, not a big deal. This was steep. And you have to kind of hook it in order to find to the good walking it. path. You're not just going to beeline straight up it. And I'm looking up at the track, and Dad's like, well, I'll swing, right? So he, the, he, you know, when he gets to the top of the ridge, he's got two choices. He can either go you know, down more, or he can go back to where we just came from off of the, the greenery and hardwood bump yeah. that we had met on. Yeah, a mile and a quarter. Head back you know, yeah. a mile and a quarter that we've just came. And start looping back around. Right. So Dad goes up to the right, and he's like, well, if he hooks to the right, I'll get him and... You know, we'll you'll we'll, deal with it if he goes down. He'll make a choice, and we'll have to see what's happening. So, and we had thought maybe that the buck had crossed behind you, but I think he had gone up across the brook, and you had gone down over it and not seen it because he didn't leave any marks. He'd left nothing. He didn't in leave the snow any. there, and I wasn't expecting him to be in the water. No, and and I would have looked had I thought you wouldn't that have seen it sneaking anything, up the brook you wouldn't have seen the water anything, because the water is running so it's not like yep. it's going to hold any like sediment or and of mud. course you told me he's headed up the brook yeah well I didn't know it was up the brook up the brook it was literally in the brook yes. and if I'd have known that I stopped right there but I yeah. think he had he already, had already crossed and and that's one of those things you know where you're swinging sometimes it works out most yeah. of the time, you're behind the eight ball. Yes, because they're every, very but every fast. now and then, it, I've I've also when I've swung, I've I've gone, I've swung too fast and rammed them. Yep. Or I swung so fast that I went by them, they or they you. let me go by, and yep. then they ran over my track afterwards. Yep. Which we did yesterday. Yeah. I don't even want to talk with about another that. buck that Taylor doesn't <laughs> even want to talk about because the buck <laughs> stops behind his rock and let Taylor walk, walk by. by. Yeah. Oh then he ran behind him. Yeah. I was that not, I was not happy. Know, we were pinching him and the same type happy. of thing again. But. but anyway, so I, dad goes up and starts swinging and he stays out probably, you know, two, 300 yards, do a really big, really fast circle. And I start tearing up the cliff and I get to the just where I can start to crest my head up over. And I look to my left and I see some small spruces um, that are only, you know, just over a foot tall where all the snow has been knocked off of them. And I went, oh, no. Too late. He's eating, right? If he's eating right here, what does that mean? He's been standing here. And I look up and about, you know, 8, 10 feet away from those spruces, there's a bed that isn't melted out, just kind of laid down to chew his coat a little bit. 
and running tracks going straight up the hill. Because he literally watched us probably break up yep. down below him. Well, he probably watched you cross the brook. Right. Because right then you could see all of that because that's right, right where we met up. We only we met up right above where you crossed the brook. So yep. it's all open hardwoods, right? So he could see you coming. Yeah. He had and already. It was what, 250 yards from where he left the brook? Straight up the cliff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he literally did the whole cliff, cl- the brook walking. Then busted off to the left and climbed a cliff and laid down where he had a view of where he came from. Probably when we were still talking up on top when we first met. Sure. It was probably around then. For for like a three or four year old to pull that kind of stunt, um, they've been tracked a lot. He knows the deal. But you can kind of expect that with if you consider the last two winters we've had, where we've had snow almost the whole season. Oh yeah. During deer season, we've had snow. And if anything, we, like in Maine, we had a lot of snow. Come Thanksgiving, we had to leave because it was just too much snow. And that's been kind of the, the case where you take two or three or four years of snow where it's good snow conditions during the season, them big boys and even the young ones get a good training they might as well be watching their videos Yeah, at that point because they're, they're getting dogged by some really good people. Oh, yeah. And they're getting dogged every day, every other day, every third and day. And by coyotes. And Have you coyotes. seen a crazy amount of coyotes in Vermont oh, this year? Holy wicked. cow. We were on a coyote highway today, I think. Uh, I should, we should have filmed that because that was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Four it, or five coyote tracks yeah. just right on top of each if other. If you want a predator Everywhere. hunt coyotes, go to Roxbury, Vermont. Yep. <laughs> there is more stinking coyotes over there than there was what we saw three deer tracks and we must have seen 16 or 18 coyote tracks. I mean, maybe they're just the same ones going everywhere, but it just almost Highways. seemed like they were having a party. They were like deer runways. It's crazy. And they're, they're scratching. Even on my land, the coyotes are scent marking. Oh, yeah. All the skid trails. This is the time of year everywhere. for it. Yeah. And especially where domestic dogs have been walking. Oh, yeah. They they are literally scent marking where the domestic dog went and, like, building their world and you know, claiming their territory. Extending this the kingdom. Time. Yeah. You know, doing the dog thing. That's what dogs do. But it's yeah. just been incredible. And and I think we we saw, what, four different deer this year that were being chased by coyotes in the snow. Yep. They were actively yep. chasing these deer. One of them was, a like, 240-pounder. He was a huge buck. Um, just, they're like dogging him for fun too. Yeah, like just chase and chase and chase just for the sport of it. This this big huge like buck the rest of us I busts suppose. out. Um, he's he's tending some does and running around. He's checking out some tracks. He runs into a hunter. The hunter jumps him. A coyote gets right onto him. Comes running out into the open. We see the hunter. He kind of cuts us off on our track, and we take a 90 and head for the road because this other guy's on our deer and right out of nowhere the buck comes back running in front of us um we don't see it but it comes running down the hillside we get on the track and we don't go 40 50 yards and there's a coyote on the track running too now sometimes they just run in the same places they're not necessarily that's very chasing. that's common all animals are run they on run top on, of, yeah the yeah. moose run on top of the deer yep. the coyotes run on top squirrels of the deer, the and moose, everything yeah, everything so it's like, well, I don't know how many cross-country squirrels. We've seen quite a few of those this year. Yeah, we have. But this buck <laughs> runs right out to a road and then turns and actually runs up the road. And he ran up the road for a couple 300 yards. Yeah. And he smelt some moose at about 250 yards to his right. 
And while he's running up the road, he came downwind of these moose and did a 90 and turned into the clear cut and ran right out to a, a crowd of like five or six moose. We've got them on film. Yep. They're all out in a clear cut and the, the deer runs right through the moose trying to scrape that coyote off from his track. Yep. And I'm sure it was somewhat effective, but the dog still chased him a little bit farther. Oh, yeah. Just for but fun. the moose freaked out and went running everywhere, and it made this like bunch of confusion. And you know, I think the coyotes really train deer a lot too. They do. They pester them a lot. Now the I don't brook know. Brook trick is a know, coyote thing. Some of the the best lessons I ever learned were tracking does because if you don't, if you're tracking a doe and you jump her once, not the end of the world. You jump her a second time, and she thinks you're after her. It's over. And she will turn inside out and <laughs> run, literally run for a mile and a half straight, just take right off, won't even look back, will charge up over hill and dale and scare everything in the woods everywhere, and she will not be curious. She will not look back. She'll just keep hammering. And if she does stop, it's only to gather the fawns so she can take off running again. Switch on the afterburners yeah. and see. And if ya. I was a coyote, I would not want to chase does because they just don't stop. They're freaky and, and they just they freak right out. They run really hard and they, they're like giant rabbits that do these huge hooks. And when they come back through, they'll do a figure eight, cross right over where they were and keep right on trucking again. Oh, yeah. I'd rather chase a buck any day, and I'd rather chase an older buck. And if I was a coyote, I'd rather chase an older buck. He'll just be steady and just keep moving, you know? He'll just keep trucking, but he won't freak. And then some of them does freak. And I can see why the dogs want to chase the bucks, and especially some of the older bucks. It makes sense that they would go after them, even though they are the biggest thing around. Yeah. You know, a buck is the biggest. Next to a moose. Yeah, you could really get hurt trying to kill a buck like that. But they, they obviously manage it at least they try yeah yeah so we we jump this buck and you know we start tearing up and he goes right in with more tracks and more he finds every deer in the woods and gives us a tour of all the deer right so this is like bedding out in the open up high watching his backtrack going up a brook 300 yards bedding down somewhere where he can see everything and now running to all of the animals in the woods and then doing the last trick, the last big buck Vermont trick Vermont that he knows. Escape, right? Which is turning straight to posted land and switching it on a hundred. Yeah. Right? So we go up and over this third mountain and we start pitching down the greenery on the other side. And we know right where he's going, a quarter, half mile down this hill, it's all posted. It's over. So, you know, we he don't can, like having to bail off a deer like I that. I hate having to bail off a buck, and especially when it's like it's like three o'clock right now. Yeah. You know, we went from it's like from nine thirty to three is when all of this happens, and you know, Dad finally finishes his loop and catches up with me, and I'm like, hey, let's let's drop it, you know. And I, I hate that, and it sucks, but especially when he's the biggest thing around, right? You're like, damn it. Yeah, and you, you know, you're three three and a half miles from the rig, easy. You know, and you got to walk. A good hour and a half or more to get back to where you started and it's really slippery nasty dangerous we fell three slow. times coming out you get covered and you get wet all the little fine powder gets on you gets yep. on you and those three four inches on the spruce branches of snow oh, yeah. you know so you, you, you don't want to touch anything and it's like a fog of frost way up high and 
it's really romantic, beautiful stuff to try and get a big buck, and it works oh, out. It's worked out great. It was a lot killer of conditions. Year. Like the yeah. last week has been the most day. perfect conditions that you could ask for. A little bit more wind, a harsher, heavier wind would be nice. Mm-hmm. But snow and weather, it's been great. Yeah. Every all the deer are going slow until they you know get busted. Right, but. They're breaking really easy. It was though. a fantastic day of tracking. And if I'm not going to get a buck, I want to go like that. I want him I want him to get rid of me because he's faster than me, not because he can outdo me, right? And what a what a deer. I just couldn't believe the brook trick. I like I've had deer do that to me 50 yards, 25 yards, hop out, get back in, right? Casey and I tracked one I think in 2018 mm-hmm. that did that. He did a lot of a lot of water games. And I, th- I think that's a coyote thing too. Sure. I think getting in, getting rid of their scent, going up the brook a ways works really well for them, for it's that an, scenario. It's amazing when you see it. You, and it's like, I couldn't believe this. 300 yards, 300 yards of hardly touching any snow, not leaving any. And he had to be very, when you see the, 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 you guys are going to, it's film crazy. This, You're going to love that. You can see that he had to really go out of his way to not leave any tracks yeah. anywhere. And he actually did not leave hardly even a mark in the just snow for such a long distance. Just a couple of his like, toes distance. just fluffing the edge of a little snow when he Amazing. picked his. He didn't pick his foot up high enough and just poof, just a little bit. And which shows you he's having a conscious process in his head. Yeah, he's trying not right. He's trying to just sneak away. I'll just go in the brook and I'll just hide and I'll go way up here. Right, brilliant. Yeah. brilliant what a day of tracking what a day of tracking in 2020 season that's how you make amazing <laughs> it is and and one of the things that actually we forgot to mention was he was on a dead run and did what he stopped and ate some mushrooms he hauled off and uh, hit the brakes on a dead run downhill so he could chew mushrooms off a tree he slid I, three feet to stop i lost my mind when i saw that of course i'm in a hurry and my camera battery's dying so i don't have time to really film a reaction to it i just i look and there's the mushrooms all gnawed off and i pulled a piece off with my hand and i was like eh, apparently it's hereditary here <laughs> right i was like this just like the mush a big smart vermont buck that just put in a, every trick he had he pulled it was um I, i'm coming along your track and you hadn't told me he did that no and i'm coming along your back track and i'm 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 paying attention to what's going on because I'm putting the story of the deer and what it's doing and the story of you following it. Yeah. So I step in your tracks to see how quickly you're moving. Yes. And I look at the deer's tracks. Which tells you what's going on. Yeah. So that I don't have to talk to you on the radio as I'm coming up behind you because I'm looking at what the situation and how it's going down. Yeah. And every time that you leave the track, I'm... I'm trying to understand why. Oh, there's just this blow down here. Or, oh, it's easier walking right there. Or it's quieter. Or you can see. Or you need to keep that shooting lane open, right? This is what I would do and this is what I wouldn't do. Is the second your track start doing what I wouldn't do, then I'm wondering what's going on. You know, what don't I know here? Did he see it? You know? So there's this like CSI investigation of but tracking the tracker of tracking the tracker, but I'm also doing it at a lot faster pace. I'm not trying to be quiet. I'm trying to pick it up as quickly as I can see everything that I can and keep hauling because I want to get up by you in case you need some help or to film it. If you start closing the distance, you know, cause you've, you've been without a cameraman most of the day and I'm trying to get caught up to you. So yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how the whole thing goes down and, that in itself is really rewarding. Thank God. And if it wasn't yeah. rewarding for us, the process, we, 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 we wouldn't be doing it because the number of deer we've shot, obviously this isn't working. 
right? We ain't shot a squat for deer. And, but we've, we've had some amazing tracking scenarios. Oh, it's we, been magic. We're also learning our new cameras. We're, 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 we're doing a lot here. And I know it seems like we're not doing much, especially lately here, but we are. <laughs> and we just got to get a chance to get it all put together and make it all work. And when we've got a little bigger project, we're trying to get together too. So we've got quite a bit going on and we're trying to get it all lined up and we're trying not to be discouraged. <laughs> and we're, we're just having some just nasty luck sometimes it just things don't quite work out and that mystery dice that goes rolling every time it's been coming up snake eyes on us wicked bad (laughs) and we just can't do much about it you know but that's what that's the way it goes as some seasons are that way that's why it's hunting it's not just shooting even though we've done some shooting too no yeah you know it is what it is you know yeah and And uh, it's been such a blast it's been so you know it was such a privilege to track a big buck that you know if you get him you've done something and that's those are the deer that i like to track and i know those aren't the deer that you get no there's a reason why they're they do what they do there's a like that buck is gone and he's going to be gone for a few days Oh, yeah. Why? Because he knows. Oh, yeah. He knows, mm-hmm. right? He knows that all of his tricks didn't work. So he's going to do the one that does, and it works every time so far. Right, so far. So far. Yeah. And and I think that was one of the one of the most rewarding things about the mush and why we talk about that buck so much was because it was a giant story. He was a legend. He was the smartest, biggest thing around. And you ha- when you had overcome all of his right his all of his, all of his senses and all of his right in his awareness plus all of his tricks and, and having to deal with what the land and what the weather give you and then make it all happen it was it was such a rewarding thing and tracking down a big smart old buck is is one of the best hunting experiences you can have because it's it's a true accomplishment and a true a true testimonial to what you've become as a hunter you know and one of the things that I've learned this year especially with all the tracks um, and not getting a lot of deer and having, having things, the season, the weather go the way it is, is you don't do anything. You know, you have to partner with the deer in order to get him. He has to be a willing spirit in order for you to get him (laughs) in, in some sense of the word, right? He has to wait. He Mm -hmm. has to make a mistake. He has to make a decision that, pairs up with you your decision of going to get him and all the all of the actions you take and all the actions he takes have to line up otherwise you don't get him and all it takes is like an extenuating circumstance or a third player yep and then the game's changed yeah and the other thing is you don't get this year we didn't get continue to plays we would go up against a buck and only do him once. We'd only yep. get to chase him once, see his strategies or how he worked once, yep. and then never get to play and again. And you have to go learn another one. He gets shot. We had a few of them that he probably just died. disappears. He just disappeared. We couldn't find him again. Yep. There there was three monsters, absolute oh monsters. We couldn't do a thing with them because we could not find them. Yep. Just could not find them fresh and look like crazy. And, and too, a lot of wolves, a lot of people out there really giving it to the bucks and chasing them around oh, yeah. and, and looking for them big ones. And when you have such a, so many crowds looking for only a few big ones, the big ones really, whoa, boy, they, they know everywhere they go. They're constantly pestered. You can almost guarantee to be attacked when you've got big hooves and you live in Rangeley. 
That's just what it is. <laughs> Someone's going to come true. after you, you know? It's true. And it might be six people in one day. So, you know, there's always that. Plus the just stupid circumstances. You know, the yeah. moose get up and they run right down the track. And Six they, moose. They and bump they, him up. They, they charge down through there, uh-huh. smashity, crashity, crash. And it's like, you buggers. And everything gets all stirred up. And you wait a little while and you sneak down there. And the bugger just happens to be in a place where he's got you. Yep. And bye-bye. And away he goes. Or like this year in the clear cut, right? That buck's standing there looking at me. And all I can see is from his chin up. And I see the horns, right? And I, we make eye contact. And the second we make eye contact, he pulls his head down, right? So I'm like, ah, need to run over there, right? So I take <laughs> off running to get over to where I can see. And by then, he's already crossed that 50 yards. Yep. And all I see is butt, boom, into the bushes and yep. gone. And it's like I didn't even get to see the rack, yep. you know? And it wasn't that big a set of horns. It was probably like a big four-pointer. And later on, I ended up seeing that buck again. Yep. And then Fred ended up letting him go. Fred didn't shoot him, you know. Yep. So that's just the way it works, you know. Um, yeah. Sometimes it, the, it, that mystery dice is what can screw you up. And we've we've been playing a lot of single games against single players. And not necessarily bucks that we've played before. we played a lot of new bucks this year. Yeah. A lot of bucks we never played with before. And only one that was a an older player the yep. rest of them were all newer new players we spent a lot of time been in good. new woods this year mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time trying to learn a new a new patch and plus one of the things that's really difficult is in the beginning season when the deer aren't moving a lot if you don't have snow and you're playing a game the way we play it that makes it super difficult it is super difficult to go to a new patch of woods where you have had no intel no recon at all and when you go out to track and hunt deer and there's no snow and they're not moving because it's 65 degrees that is tough yeah and now the as the season starts ticking away and does are starting to come in heat and things are starting to happen the rut's starting to get going and now there are deer walking everywhere right and they're all leaving and going and moving but you don't know where because there's no snow right and you're just like ah! <laughs> right it was well just, there's a, there's also like crazy there's these crazy days every now and then where nothing moves yeah, you get like a rest moose, day. Yeah, the moose lay down. Nothing is the happening. Squirrels are quiet for yeah, a change. Yeah, the woods are just <laughs> quiet. And it, it's it's ear-ringing quiet with nothing yeah. going on. And even we just want to lay down and Winnie the Pooh and just lay there <laughs> in the bushes and don't do anything and just... That's you know, the vibe like, of the woods. Yeah, it, it, that's the vibe. You go back to camp and eat some meatloaf. You know, it's just it's one of those things. You know, and there not are that, days not that specifically, but well, I would have settled for meatloaf at that point sometimes. But oh man, you 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 sit there and hope that something will get on its feet, or that you as you walk along that you'll jump something or be able to see something or or anything. And and there was a few days we couldn't even jump a moose. And it's like, what is going on? We can't see anything. This I think was a pretty difficult year for film and wildlife. Um yeah. we said that before, you know, this was the everything was really spooky. Uh Rangely uh area there shot a lot of moose this year. They oh, they yeah. really got some moose. I want to say nice the, ones too. The, the pines must have had fifty some odd moose registered which is quite a few for did, their uh, area did, there. Aquasic does it too, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. Did you but. see? We didn't stop I, in there, I, I so don't, I didn't no, know. I don't, I don't know what they've done. I don't know but. what they ended up doing, but there still seem to be you know, 10 moves for every deer. But you, you add to that 
you know, two years of having snow the whole season, just about. On top of this year, being them going the to their wintering and yards them going early. the wintering yards and getting shot pretty good. Yep, and um, that makes the overall numbers a little bit low. And the ones that are left are smart, and they're on it. And after a really busy moose season, an extra busy bird season. Lots of bird hunters, lots of dogs, people out there, and they really, the vehicles really get them wound up. I was watching this cow moose out in a cut, and she's coming across the bottom, and I could hear this guy just revving his engine, and he had to be a mile away with these big, wicked exhaust, and he's revving that thing like he's stuck or something, and every time he revved that motor, that cow would take off running. When he, and she'd take off running, and she'd go 100 yards and stop and go back to walking, and then she'd stop. And he'd rev that motor again, and she'd take off running. You can tell when, when they're a mile away, and the motor is a mile away, yep. and you're watching them spook from something that's almost a mile away, a car engine that far away, and it goes to show that ear, ear ringing silence that we had. We had a lot of that this year. They were listening to everything, and they, it didn't take much. If they would see you at all, they were gone. And yep. everything was pretty spooky. This was a, a tougher year. And all that snow conditions really wises them right up. Between that and watching our videos, I think the deer are learning. <laughs> the deer are learning. <laughs> we're training like the deer. We, we are. Really are. That is one of the, the one of the downsides of tracking. We were actually talking about that, like the dark side of tracking, is that the deer you don't get after repeatedly bumping and teaching them, they learn. They learn. They learn, one, how to get rid of you, and two, if everybody starts grunting and all these deer have a bad experience with you grunting, but you don't get them, now grunting's bad, especially if the does learn it. Now the fawns learn that it's not good, right? Yep. And now do, now their their fawns, whether bucks or does, learn that grunting is not good. Even if they, right? they will question who's doing it. Yeah. And when they're questioning who's doing it, they hold longer, maybe a little bit, or they might not hold. They we'll see, see a little movement that doesn't look right in a way they go. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the other thing the is, I I wonder if orange gives you away, and not necessarily in the fact that it's bright and you know because deer don't see color, right? But the shape, mm-hmm. the squareness of it, right? Because our vests, our top half, it does stand out. Is this bit. like square thing? It's almost like holding a piece of cardboard and mm-hmm. moving it through the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, like this flat, lighter because it is the tone of it is lighter than the rest of the black and white that is the woods Mm -hmm. you know and as that moves through and stops that has to look weird we'll have to take a few of our photos and change them to black and white i wonder if we did like a deer vision experiment where we filmed in deer vision you That'd know? be cool. I mean, can't you just on your computer program? Oh, I can pull all the color out of it. And all sure. That. And yeah. at, even if we're just walking through the brush and you show what we look like, you and know, like what kind be... of movement yep. and like what kind of patterns, because you can make a camo orange, orange that had shapes in it of other orange that was different tones of orange, almost like mm-hmm. a camo orange. And I wonder if that would be better. I don't know. This probably is all pretty arbitrary and won't matter as much. Um, but tracking dumb deer always works better. <laughs> yes, it does. Because we're we're actually making smarter and smarter deer. All the deer that we track and teach them our stuff, you know, they build the defense for the offense that we've created. And it's going to mm-hmm. be this like arms race against each other. Because <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. What's really, if we think about the future of tracking, say what we do doesn't work anymore. What are you going to do? That's something that we have to think about. Uh, 
What I'm have to go to aircraft or something. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> put a laser on the drone. Problem solved. Right? <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. It's it'll change for sure, and, and especially if you're doing it like on your little woodlot. Yeah, they'll learn your routine so quick. That's one of the things I think we we go. need to do a podcast comparing uh, Vermont our Vermont hunting experience and Maine hunting experience, you know, over the, totally the differences in the nuances of how to hunt. Because when we hunt Vermont, we're hunting smaller tracts of land and we're tra- the deer are different. The woods are different. And the way you go about it needs to be a little bit different. It can be done and you can do it and it's rewarding either way, but you have to go about it a little bit differently because mm-hmm. we're still in like Maine in our heads. That's our problem. And that's, we have definitely my we, problem. We haven't adapted you know, and we haven't like, dude, you got to think smaller scale, right? We're thinking big scale still. And, and we need, you can't do that and you here. You can't do that here. No, you have like, we're thinking we can just like, and you can't, you can't just yeah. dive into there and outrun these things and chase them over hill and dale. We're, we're used to using square miles and not and, acres and not acres. And that there's a big, big difference. And there has to be a big speed difference. Our number one thing is to slow down. Yeah. We're used to turning over lots and lots of gravel to get one nugget. And the other thing is, like, it takes a really big deer to excite us now because we've mm-hmm. seen so many big, Maine big ruins tracks. you. It ruins you in that aspect. Because you come home and you find a good big buck like we had, right? That big one that we chased up the brook and all that. Yeah. It was a good track. Uh, but not, it was nothing compared was to some not, of the stuff we've seen in Maine. And it's it was like not, you just, big. It I'm was not, not big. I'm not by definition only out for big bucks, especially this late in the game. I'll take a smaller buck, right? Oh, sure. But by the same token, it takes a decent-sized deer to get me excited. I'm all desensitized by an entire <laughs> deer season in Maine, yes. right? It desensitizes you. Yeah. And you see a tiny plot of land, and you see a little deer, and you're like, meh, right? And you were rolling your nose at other deer, too, doing the same thing I was doing, and we're both like, meh. And we, have to, we either have to you know, put the guns away, or we need to change our forget outlook. yesterday you know you know yeah. you have to forget what you, you do. did yesterday you do and you have to start fresh every single day and you need some kind of motivation to do that because if you don't pretty quick you're either burnt out by it or you're discouraged by it or you're at least dulled by it and then when the opportunity does show up you're not ready yeah anybody with our kind of legs and shooting ability ought to be able to run into a deer right but when you start going days without seeing deer and you know you're getting them up every now and then or like in vermont i've already seen five five deer yeah i've seen five deer i have a doe permit and four of them were in an area i couldn't shoot a doe yeah naturally and i could have shot (laughs) the doe but the buck in the back i didn't even get a chance to see him Yep. You know, that mystery dice rolled, so I couldn't do anything about him. I couldn't identify him, so there's no shooting. And then I can't identify the other one here on the first day. So, again, I'm back to what do you do, you know? If it was a doe, I could have shot it, but if it's a spike, I can't. And mm-hmm. if it's a buck, I could have shot it, but I got to make sure it's not a spike. So I need to see the deer and I can't just shoot it. Yep. And I could have just shot it. But Easily. That's just, you know, so those things just happen. And you have to be able to set that aside and not drag yesterday's bad day into today's good day. Yeah. And that 
takes practice and it does that takes motivation and, and just like jimmy you'll says, be better at it some days just like coco puff says you never know it can go down at any second and oh, yeah. it could be the first minute of the last day it could be the last minute of the first day it could be any time in between the beginning of deer season and the end could have been and you have you to be in. out there yeah <laughs> you have to be out there and you have to go and you can't get discouraged and you need to go because it will be worth it it will be and at least at the end of the season you will be satisfied with the effort that you put in if you haven't got a deer yet there, there is still time and don't be discouraged and go for it and go get it done because you'll be you'll be happy that you at least put in the effort to go do it if you don't even get a deer, which the odds of you getting a deer are pretty good. It's not too bad. Go get one. Right. Don't stay home. Don't make an excuse. Don't listen to all these people that say deer season, this deer season has sucked or the weather's not good, right? When the weather was bad, we were hunting, right? Did we stay home because it was 65? No. No, right? No. Because does it need to be... 32 degrees and snowy to get a deer? No, no. Do you need to have wind? It's nice. Do you need to have a track? No. no. You can get a deer. You can get this done. You can do it. And you have to just believe in yourself. You get your stuff, grab your gun, get out in the woods, and get it done. Whether it's picking a spot to sit down or finding a fresh track to follow, get out there and go and get it done. You still have time. Remember, you waited all year for this to come. Go for it. Get it done. You still have time and make sure to tag us in that <laughs> when you, when you finally right, get that you, buck when picture, you pull off tag what we us. Been able to do, let us know about it. You because, have to show us. Right. Because that, and, and it has happened this year. Oh my God. I, I can't believe the Some number of, the of people that are like, wow, I got a deer. I was listening to what you said and here it, it is. And look at this thing and just yeehaw, you know, and, and, We've inadvertently killed, killed a, lot. a lot of deer this year. <laughs> a have. lot of deer We've died. killed a lot of deer. <laughs> yeah, and, and in a way, that in itself is satisfaction yeah. enough for me right there. If I helped you get a deer, that is wonderful, and, and that's awesome, and, and uh, you're certainly welcome. And if you can help me get a deer, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> you know? But it, it, it lends to being able to to rally yourself and yes we're we're struggling we're we're just like you guys we're, we're struggling with it too some days and some hours and sometimes it's minute to minute we're struggling with it too you know you yep. you climb an entire hillside and you go a mile across the country in in you don't three even, days yeah, and you don't three even or see four a track. day old snow and there isn't even a track in four day old snow and you go a mile and then another half a mile. Time to get out of that nothing. patch you of woods. You go a mile and a half and anywhere in a straight direction, and you haven't come across a deer track. It was never that bad in Maine. No. It was never that bad. You at least saw there. some sign. You at least saw like old sign or something. Yeah, you saw a track. Yeah. You'd you know, see like a rub or something. We, just like we were not. I, I, was, I was discouraged by that today. That was quite a walk we went on, and there just wasn't anything But there. it did do us some good. It told us not to waste our time. Oh, yeah. We learned where not to go. 10-4. And we've spent a lot <laughs> of time this year learning where not to go. But it'll probably be the same next year, too. That mm-hmm. patch of woods is good or bad because of something. Mm-hmm. There's either something that they need that they're not getting, or there's another spot that's better for something. You know, this is the scouting stuff that we talk about, you know, from year to year is 
you know, you need to make a little mental note or actual notes of what the woods are like year to year and where you're seeing stuff and what's going on because those patterns most of the time are the way it is because of a good reason. Yeah. Deer are in certain kinds it. of woods yep. most of the time for mm-hmm. a certain reason. If you hunt the, you just need to spend, you know, 90% of your time in 10% of woods, right? That classic. Taking, taking three minutes to look at what the deer actually ate when it starts feeding. Yes. Take really a good. couple minutes and look at what it's actually eating. If you did that a little bit every day, you know, and then hunt the food. And then, then at least when you pull into an area with those things, and the deer starts feeding, you'll say, oh, here we go, food. Yep. And there's been, I don't know how many times where we've said desert, desert, desert. Then we went, ooh, food, ooh, this smells deer. And then, ooh. Right? And then oh, all yeah. of a sudden, there's the deer, there's the feed, there's the things we're looking yep. for. And not to mention, we did learn about four or five really good bucks habits on a one-time deal. Yep. We tracked him one time, but we learned a lot about that buck. And if we get back on him again, we're going to recognize him. That last year in Maine, I will recognize that deer again. If I we ever track him, him again, if I he's still alive come next year and we get back on him, I'll recognize him right off the bat. Yep. You know, so there's a very predictable there's deer. that part of it. Yes, he was very predictable in his bedding routine and how he went about it. The very woods textbook. he was in. Yep. yep. And, and literally, by the time we got to the fifth bed with that deer, he'd have been dead because we were on him. We uh, were really we, on him. When we got cut off on that track, oh, I, yep. you see, we, we get messages about this all the time. Like, how does it feel, you know, when somebody pulls a, a buck out of a patch of woods that you like to hunt in or uh, what, when you get cut off and dealing with that? And, you know, yes, it's frustrating because – you know, you put in a lot of back work. We put an entire day on that buck and, you know, coming and we were like, we're going to get you. We know everything we knew. We were predicting everything he was going to do right to a T and we're like, this buck is dead. And we, you and I were both on, we had our guns, we had the cameras, we were ready. And it was textbook. And then we got, when we got cut off and of course we, we might've gotten cut off way back, right? And oh, yeah. back when we were only halfway through the track. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And one of the things that always keeps me from getting super frustrated is I need to consider the other hunter. You know, the guy that took our track, you don't know what's going on with him. You don't know how hard he's worked. You don't know how long he's gone without getting a deer. Maybe he just lost his hunting buddy. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's someone that we told to go there to go hunt a buck, right? You don't, you have no idea what's going on with him. So it's like, well, I can't, because what if it's me? You know, we've probably cut people off and not realize it. They come up, we see a track, and we're like, oh, that's a good track. So we hop on it, and we start going. Or, oh, a deer, and that we chase them down. Anytime. And then somebody comes up on the track where we've taken it, and now they're frustrated mm-hmm. because it seems like we cut them off. You know, inadvertently, you probably cut off a lot of people. You hop into a hunting spot, and you sit down. You're like, oh, this stone wall looks good. And somebody comes off of the distance, sees you sitting there, and goes, ah, oh, there's a guy in my spot. Right? And you don't. you just found a spot. You don't know. Right. So that's one of the things I kind of have to keep in the back of my head. Yeah, I was super frustrated and I really wanted I wanted that deer. Oh, I yeah. did. I oh, wanted yeah. that one. Yep. And you were on you ugh, right? Yeah, now it's a big one. But by the same token, it's just a deer. And he loves to hunt too. Odds are good. Yeah. He loves He's all just the same he's probably just like love, us. There's nothing wrong with that. No. And that's the way it goes. And I don't know, you you're bound to get a dead loop. 
it's going to happen. You're, yeah. You're bound to spend a whole day going in a giant circle back to the Jeep again. Right? <laughs> the happened. tour guide, Buck. The you were guide, so right? mad that about buck, that. <laughs> I was mad at the tour guide because he took us all around the land and brought us back to our Jeep. And exactly. He, yeah. Like inches from and, the I'm Jeep. I'm surprised he didn't leave a bill underneath <laughs> our windshield wiper, that son of a gun. because A commemorative that, bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Oh, some kind of frustrating. Yeah, that was great. You know, that was th- great. There's another one. We we pull up and uh, we get out, and Casey gets out and he says, "Okay, here we go." And he opens up the driver's door of the Jeep and lays on the horn and blasts the horn. What? Casey literally did this. He says, "Honk," and then he says. If we kill him, it's his fault. Tell him we're coming. <laughs> He's he has been warned. <laughs> That's a total Casey thing to do. I'm like, okay. That's one way to go about it. That probably won't bother him, but okay, right? Hey, I mean, if revving revving your engine bothers a moose, maybe the horn will bother the buck. Well, turns out it was the tour guide again, and he didn't like being honked at, and he went to the posters, and that was the end of that buck. Miraculously, it went to the posters and it did it at a walk with the dough, at a, at a little walking trot that with the fantastic. dough into the posters, and that was the end of that. So Casey day. just like screwed you guys, so He's like Casey right from the get, the right from the get go. Yeah. He was meandering and taking it easy, and about three hundred yards That's from the posters, great. and then all of a sudden he heads for the posters, and I'm like, oh, you bugger. <laughs> And then, of course, we're standing there, and I'm shaking my head, thinking yeah. to myself, "He had to honk the horn." <laughs> and now that hey, that's like, your bloodline. Hey, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for screwing us, buddy. You know, yeah. But hey, whatever. It's yeah, been a great bro. season. We've learned so much. We've had <laughs> such a good time. There's still some time left. We're gonna get out there. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna give it our best effort, and we think you guys should too. Congratulations to everyone who's gotten a deer. The shop floor is covered in amazing buck racks and buck stories have been told in here by the fire there'll be plenty more you guys have done so well so proud of all of you that have tried any of our stuff and it's worked for you we're so glad Uh, and anyone who has and it hasn't worked out for you well welcome to the crew (laughs) (laughs) you know sometimes mother nature will hand you something sometimes she doesn't that's the way it goes Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any suggestions for upcoming topics, you can send this to us on our podcast email, A-S-K-M-T-N-D-E-E-R at gmail.com, just for you guys. We also have uh, Instagram and YouTube and all that jazz, as you all know. Been posting pretty regularly. A lot of these buck stories that we've told today, we're actually going to show the the videos of them. We'll have those up in the next couple weeks or so, so feel free to check those out. And for everyone who supported the channel, supported all of the content, thank you so much for, you know, picking up some Mountain Deer gear. We've we've appreciated that. The you know, all everyone's picking up the orange lucky hats. You com- guys are our sponsors. You, you really know, we, are. And that's we one of the things it. that, you know, we love so much is we get to keep these ad free because you guys are all out there supporting and helping us and you know, we love you guys and we really appreciate it. We're so so thankful for such a great group of people, you know, holding. Thanks for all the wonderful comments. Thank it's you. It's been really good. We look forward to every podcast and every video, every handshake and every deer story that you guys have and join with us from Rodney and me here at Mountain Deer HQ in Northfield. Signing off. Another podcast. Thank you so much. Happy hunting. So long, everybody. Take care. <laughs>